that someone might say, what must I do to be saved? In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. Amen. I'd like to draw your attention to the book of Genesis chapter 24. Reading from that, from the NIV version, the first eight verses of this particular chapter of Genesis 24. It says, Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to his senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that you will get a wife for my son from the daughters of, of the, let me slow down. The Lord, he says, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my, for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I, I am living. But you will go to my country and to my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spake to me, and promised me an oath, saying to your offspring will I give this land. He will send his angels before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. And the, and the, woman, and the woman is unwilling to come back with you. Then you are released from this oath of mine and only do not take my son back there. And we ask that God bless the reading and hearing of his word. I struggle with this subject, but I, I, I don't know why I was given this, but this is what the Lord has given me as it relates to the scriptures that I, that I read. The Old Testament speaks in types and symbols, and a lot, and it speaks in types and symbols, and it always gives you a picturesque view of what God is saying to us, or what he's presenting to us. He presented in a picture, and the picture that is used here is of a bride and a groom. And from that particular premise, we like to use for a subject, the ultimate marriage. The ultimate marriage. To define ultimate, it says being or happening at the end of a process or the final event. Let me say that again. Being or happening at the end of a, of a process of the final event. To best describe this or to give, a pitch, give you a picture of what I'm trying to present to you or say to you this morning, God sent his son into the world. And he came and he paid the price for everything. So from that premise, I want you to view this from this standpoint. All women know what it takes to be ready as a bride and what it goes into being a bride. 
they know they go through the whole process of everything it takes from the time that the proposal is made until the time of the wedding. So what am I saying to you today? Jesus came and he has prepared the way for his bride to come. He has, prayed, he has done everything necessary to establish what would be take place at that final moment for his bridegroom. So with that premise in mind, what, I, what we want you to see from this picturesque view of Abraham in this 24th chapter of Genesis, he sets in place that his son is going to get married and he's sending his eldest or most provided, strong, slow down. I struggle, I struggle with this because it, it, I, 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 I want to paint the picture. I want you to see what I saw as I studied this lesson and what the Lord had to, gave me as I, as, as, I, as I present this to you. It was it's such a beautiful picture of what God has done for us and he shows us the, the setting of the beginning of what he has in the future for us. And he, used, and he uses this picture of a bridegroom and a bride. In April the 20th of 2020, in United States Congress, according to the latest data on the National Center of Health Statistics, said the marriage rate has failed or lowered in the lowest point that it had ever been since 2018. It fell from a 6.9 to a 6.5 per 1,000 people. The longest decline started in the mid-1980s as a recent as to the 2001. The national rate was 8.2 per 1,000 per people. We all know if you're married, that marriage is not easy. That it can be a struggle. But it can be something beautiful when God is involved. God sketched out his original plan for marriage in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, when he said one man, Adam, and one woman, Eve, united together to become one flesh. The, e, the English verse, standard version of that particular verse says it this way, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. All this is presented in, 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 in what's something that we have been dealing with in, in the training for service class from the covenant and the dispensation period. We see the aromatic covenant taking place, and we see the promise from the dispensation standpoint of what God had promised to Abraham in their old age between him and his wife. The Bible gives three positions of biblical marriage. A couple is married in the eyes of God when they physically union is consummated. The couple is married in the eyes of God when the couple is legally married. The couple is married in the eyes of God after they have participated in a formal religious wedding ceremony. In the Jewish custom, God's people sign a written agreement at the time of marriage and seal the covenant. 
The marriage ceremony, therefore, is meant to be a public demonstration of a couple of commitment to a covenant relationship. It is interesting to consider the tradition of the Jewish wedding. It's a marriage contract which is read in the original Aramaic language. Both the husband and the wife see the marriage as more than just a physical, emotional union, but also as a moral, legal commitment. For Christian marriage goes beyond the earthly covenant as a divine picture of a relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. It is a spiritual representation of our relationship with God. However, common law marriage is not in the Bible. And we see pictures of that in the, good Samar in the Samaritan woman at the well when in John chapter 4, God reminded her that the five men that you have were your husband anyway. In Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 2, it says, You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And from that, we pick up with our lesson. It's trying to set the stage for what was being said here. From Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 3, we see Abram, now known as Abraham, began to inherit the promise of God, and God had promised his descendants a plentiful as be as plentiful as the sands upon the seashore. So Isaac needs a wife. Abraham commissioned his elders to leave his home and to trust Abraham's trusted servant. Eleazar was his name. We see Eleazar in the 15th chapter of Genesis. He was the one that, God, that Abraham was promised to be his heir, but that was not God's position at that time. And we hear in our text in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 2 that he established him as the chief staff to go to his family to take a wife for Isaac, his son. And we see that in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 4. Isaac is considered to be one of the three great parishioners of the Old Testament. Three great events of Isaac's life that we see here. His birth, to a couple in their old age, Abraham being 100 and Sarah being 99. The next one, a great event in, in his life, Isaac's life, is to be offered by his father Abraham to God as a sacrifice to God. And the third one is to obtain his bride. We too, as people, men and women, we have some great events in our lives our birth to our national parents, and our second birth in the birth is being a child of God. Amen. Our next great event would be our marriage, and our third great event would be our death. Mankind has no choice except with the second in the event of choosing the right groom or the right bride, because we don't have any choice in the birth, and we don't have any choice in the death. However, God is interested in who men and women take as a groom or a bride. The home is the backbone of the society. God is interested in yours and our love story, and it can be a wonderful when we make sure God is a part of that three-corded event. Abraham had an agreement, a contract, a covenant with God. 
Do we have such a thing in place or in writing, a contract, a promise from God? We have it on our bookshelves. We have it in the backseat of our cars. And hopefully we have it written in the contents of our heart. And that's his word that he gives to us. Eleazar, here in this 24th chapter, in that 10th verse, offers a prayer with a special request for the right girl to respond for his inquiry. He first asks in his prayer that the one that he prays that would come and offer water for him to drink. And that she would also offer water for the camels also to drink. And that she would offer a place for lodging for him and all his servants that came with him. It was customary in those days to offer water to strangers in the Jewish places. It was incredibly rare, however, to offer water to a strange stranger's animals in the process. Note this, please. A camel can drink up to 25 gallons of water at one time. Eleazar traveled with 10 camels to this place. And that's Genesis chapter 24 and verse 10. Can you imagine her running back and forth? to fill the trough, to, to, to service the cannibals, ten of them. And from that, Eladar was a mighty, he, he saw what she did, he stood back and he watched, and he watched her do this process, and he was admired the fact that she was willing to do this. And, and before Eladar could get this prayer out of his mouth, God answered his prayer. Eladar exercised his faith. He exercised it not in foolishness, but in rested upon God being true to his, his master and answering his prayer. It was not a leap, of, leap into the dark. It was not a betting, on, a betting of a bet or anything like that. It was not a gamble. It was trust in God of Abraham, the God of Abraham, that he will follow through on the promise that he had made to Abraham. Faith is real when it talks, when we talk to God in a real way and not in a hypocritical way. While we are just begging and asking for things. But when we come to God and and speak to him honestly and sincerely, God hears our prayers. Eladar was, was amazed that it happened as soon as it did. It doesn't always happen that way for all of us. But be assured of this one thing. God hears our prayer. And the answer sometime will be yes. And the answer sometime will be no. And the sometime will be wait. But just as a parent, God knows what's best for us. We have to learn to trust him at his word and follow his decrees. And we will truly be blessed as Abraham's son was blessed in this event. In Genesis chapter 24, that 22nd to the 48th verse, what a relief to Eleazar when Rebekah introduced herself as the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Micaiah, who was, was born to Nahum, that God sent him exactly to where he needs to be, when he's supposed to be there. And the woman that was needed to be there was there at the same time. So God eased his burden 
defeated his battle, and blessed him in his act. God, Genesis 24 and 30. Had the people of Hanan of Mesopotamia changed? Now, even though he was going back to the land, he didn't go to Ur, but he went to a neighboring place. So the question is, had the people changed? Were they still idolaters? Were they still worshiping pagan gods? And we had to keep in mind something here, that they were all not where they need to be. But some of them did trust God as his word. So we come to the picture where after that happened, Eleazar stood there and then Laban, Laban went out to meet him and he told him to come and take a place with him and, and stay there. But let us not be too quick to, let us look at Laban in a, in, a, in a serious note. Laban was impressed by something. He was impressed by the gold that his sister had got from Eleazar. He was, he was impressed by the earring, the bracelet, and he was, and we recognized, and he recognized the fact that this was from the living God, the creator, the one God. Thou, he says, thou art blessed of the Lord, speaking of, 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 of Eleazar and, and of Rebekah. Eleazar is faithful, is a faithful servant. He kept his mission in front of him at all times, and the purpose of his coming was to find a bride for his master's son, that the kingdom would be fulfilled, or that the promise would be fulfilled. In, El in Genesis chapter 24, verse 49 through 59, Rebekah blessed, family blessed this union. Laban and Bethlehem acknowledged that this was from God, and they approved of the marriage. Even though she, was she had never seen Isaac at all, she had never put up her eyes upon him at all. What a fantastic spiritual picture that has been presented to us in the 24th chapter of Genesis. How the broom bride, the bridegroom, has sacrificially and lovingly chosen the church to be his bride. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, how did that play into us today? We are told in, the, in, the, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 through 30 to 27 of how we are to present ourselves. Right. It says, husbands, love your wives. And this is coming from the New King James Version. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that we might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. But the church, uh, we have a responsibility in this also. Being in this patrolment period, and look at, look at the time frame here. This was spoken in Genesis chapter 24. And look at some 4,000 years later, the bridegroom is still preparing for his bride. How are we prepared as the bridegroom? Have we become, are we taking part in holding have we went after other gods? Have we prepared ourselves for the bridegroom to come? How are we presenting ourselves for the bridegroom? 
How are we looking for that coming day? The church has a great responsibility in this betrothment period. We have to be faithful to the bride. Any man here that's living, that has a wife or has a potential wife, is looking for her to be faithful. We don't want her to go out and be with anyone else. We don't want her to look upon anyone else in a way that's unbecoming to a wife. So why, if we feel that way, why wouldn't Christ feel that way about his bride? Because he denotes something to us in, in, the, in the second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. He says, for I am jealous, for you are a godly jealousy, for I have a godly jealousy, for I have a betrothed you to be to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Are we chaste? Are we living up to our, our end of the bargain? But then we come to the conclusion here in this 24th chapter. Genesis chapter 24, verse 20, 62 through 65. Rebecca agrees with her parents that she was going to go back with Eleazar to the home of Abraham to be the chosen bride for Isaac. As stated in Genesis 24 and 64, when she saw Isaac, she leaped off the camel and ran to her husband. So, when the bridegroom comes, will you leap in joy? Will you come and go with him? Will you accept the invitation that he's presented to us? And have you accepted his proposal? Will you trust Christ as your Savior? Because he did something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. He came down through 42 generations and he tabernacled on this earth some 30 years, 33 years. And he, and he came to heal the sick and raise the dead and he did all that he could for mankind. And then one day he took up a Roman cross and he carried up a hill called Carol and he allowed him to put a crown of thorn on his head. And he put ribbons in his hand yes, and nails in his feet. Yes. And they pierced him in his side. Yes, and he hung there from the sixth to the ninth hour. Yes, and they took him off that cross. And they put him in a borrowed tomb. Yes. And he stayed there for three days and three nights. And he rose early that Thursday, that Thursday morning for you and I. For the church, for his bride. He did all this for his bride. And he said in Revelation Chapter 22 and 20, he said, and we should be saying, each and every one of us should be saying this, come now, Lord, come now, I'm ready to be your bride, come now, because we are ready to go back with you and be the bride to Christ. Only if you accept him as your savior will you see your husband to be. God bless you. Amen. As we all stand together.